Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It is just a shade before 1130 on a Monday, a soggy Monday, as we're here to talk uh, kind of the same old song and dance we've done these last few weeks, and that is uh, apprising the masses of where we are at with the high school baseball and softball playoffs. We, um, we are down to the fifth round over in softball. The regional finals are coming up later on this week, and then uh, baseball is one round behind. They're in the regional semifinals later on this week. So um, in total, we have seven high schools from our coverage area that are still swinging. Over in softball, we have Prosper, Flowerman, Lovejoy. <clears throat> Sorry. And then in baseball, uh, Marcus Capel, Lovejoy, and Wakeland. So uh, we'll get to everybody in some form or fashion over these next uh, 30, 40 minutes or so. Um, we're going to start over in baseball, though, and um, kind of uh, whether it's looking ahead to what's coming up this week or just recapping some of the fun times from the regional quarterfinal round the week before. Let's um, yeah, let's talk a little stick and ball. Let's um, let's start over in Region One, David. Capel lives on to fight again, man. This is quite the murderer's road that Capel is uh, is uh, is taking down as they uh, as they have now slayed two consecutive state ranked opponents. They have a third coming up this week. Um, so yeah, there was a it was a very very anticipated series between Capel and Prosper. Um, Prosper state ranked, looking all sorts of good stuff heading into the third round. Neither of these teams won their district, but still making runs to the third round. It looked like a very close series on paper, and it materialized as such, um, but in the end, it was um, Capel just continuing to grind these games out. I believe it was a pair of one-run one victories. Three to two and two and one to nothing. Yes, yeah, so very, very pitching-oriented, very defense-oriented runs were very much at a premium in this series, but Capel lives to fight another day. David, how did they do it? Well, they held Prosper to without a run for the final 13 innings of the series. That helps. Yeah, so if you're a Prosper fan, you love this. You had to love the start of this series right here. Um, Capel, you know, was going into this uh, the regional quarterfinals for the first time since 2016. Mm-hmm. But Prosper, who's no stranger to success as well either, they took a two to nothing lead in the first inning on a two run home run by Easton Mark Carmichael, and that home run broke up a string. Uh, of four straight complete game shutouts by Will Robin, the Capel's ace right there. Man. But Robin, I think that maybe ticked him off a little bit. So all he did is didn't allow another run for the next six innings right there. Um, and then uh, he got some backing in just in the next half inning. You know, Capel scores three runs uh, in the top of the second. And Robin does, does, does what he does best is, you know, just hold, hold the opposing offense down. Uh, Capel wins the first game three to two. Uh, the next game, uh, more another p- great pitchers duel as well. Um, obviously, Josh Barnhouse, you know, he's been one of their top pitchers in the area mm-hmm. this year for yeah. Prosper, and uh, he he throws he throws another amazing game for Prosper. He allows just one run on five hits with four strikeouts, but it was just that one run that made the difference right there. Um, it was a zero to zero game going into the seventh inning right there, and Capel gets a walk off. Uh, 
Tanner Siver, uh, you know, hits a liner to center field right there. Tony Venars comes around third, around third base to score, one to nothing. Capel, and um, you know, they, they get like not only the run, but they get that pitching in that game as well too. Tim Malone, another outstanding effort for him. Six innings, two hits, four Ks, and then Will Boylan comes in in the, in the seventh inning right there, strikes out two, doesn't allow another run. So um, Capel, they. You know, they go on. It was their third, you know, shutout of this postseason mm-hmm. in six games right there. Uh, they've allowed only 10 runs in six games right there. So they're moving on to the regional semifinals for the first time since 2016. And um, it's it's going to be a great one. Like you mentioned, they're going to play Keller in the next round. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Murderer's Rose continues yeah, right yeah, here. Just another state-ranked opponent. Another state-ranked opponent. You know, no problem at all. So um, and it's actually a game. Actually, uh, Capel's actually played Keller this year mm-hmm. way back on March 12th. And Capel actually beat Keller 11 to 4 and the Cowboys actually scored 11 runs not 11 but 8 runs on the top of the first inning. Okay, wow. So we'll see, but um, yeah, with Capel, I believe it's all right. So this is their the deepest they've been since 2016. I think if you go back even further, this is the first, the second time I guess then since 2007 that they've been four rounds deep. Which it's notable because with Capel, and this predates your time here, but it feels like Capel has always had the ammunition to make runs like this every year. It seems. I mean, they're always among the most talented teams in the area, and you know, there's. I mean, they will, they'll score a number of signature wins during the preseason. They'll always play well in district, but then for one reason or another. It feels like Capel season would end, and you'd always feel like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a round or two earlier than I would have expected. You know, they would always leave a little bit of meat on the bones, so it's nice to see uh, whether it's the something special about this group, whether it's the Ryan Howard factor. I mean, before he got to Capel, he had an amazing run at Lake Dallas and leading them to the regional tournament, and you give him a talent base like what Capel traditionally has and see the kind of magic that he could potentially cook. Um, either way, it's um, it's really, it's been a really nice resurgence for Capel baseball as they're, uh, as they're now headed to the uh, to the regional semifinals. Um, also, on the other half of that bracket, you have Marcus, who is still playing. Marcus, who um, was able to, uh, to get past Plano, swept that series in the regional quarterfinals by scores of 4-0, to zero, which included a no-hitter thrown by Tate Evans. And then the game I was at last Friday, a 7-4 to four victory. It was my first time getting to see Marcus. Long overdue, getting to see the Marauders in person. Just impressed with just the balance of their lineup. All nine starters in that lineup had either a hit or an RBI. They they had six RBIs between six different players. Tyler Schott led off the game with a triple at two hits. Really got the juices flowing there when you lead off a a, a, a potential uh, advancement game with a triple like that. Ty Johnson had two hits as well. Um, there just isn't really a, a, a resting spot in that lineup, and that's kind of been their, uh, their MO all season with that sort of balance. And any one night, it could be a certain guy that steps up and delivers. And then the pitching has been just airtight, locks, uh, lights out all season. Like I mentioned, Tate Evans having a no-hitter. Tyler Schott had been in, had been in really really good form. Plano was able to touch him up a little bit relative to how most teams have been able to handle Tyler Schott this season. They did get ten hits off Schott, which through the first two rounds of the playoffs he had only given up seven hits total. Um, and then you know Plano, we talked about him last week. Just this uh, this you know it'll take a full seven innings to put him down. As resilient as that team is, and you know even though Marcus was able to get some distance in this one, leading seven to two heading into the bottom of the seventh, Plano still gave itself a chance there in the end. 
and they were able to get the they put three they loaded up the bases right out of the chute in the um in the bottom of the seventh they were able to score a couple runs off of that and then bases are loaded with one out the winning run is at the plate on two separate occasions they turn to reliever Mickey Sheets and he is able to get the job done retire the last two batters and um, preserve the uh, and just prevent any uh, any more heroics by Plano but Plano almost put a little bit of a scare in him so um nevertheless though Marcus advances and um just like Capel has a really credentialed opponent coming up next in Keller. Marcus plays uh, no stranger to this juncture of the postseason, and that is Southlake Carroll. Um, Southlake, they're, they're not ranked this season, but don't let that throw you off the scent. It's still Southlake Carroll. They're always playing this deep in the playoffs. They're always good. I mean, if you remember, obviously we did not get a postseason last year, but in 2019, Southlake Carroll won state, and that was the second of back-to-back state championships, actually the third consecutive year during a stretch in which they had advanced to the state tournament and the I don't know if you guys remember this but that South Lake team back in 2019 the interesting fact about them they did not return a single starter from their 2018 title team and they still won state so this is a program that I mean this is just old hat for them they thrive at this juncture of the season they are able to elevate their game and um, now they have been pushed the distance these last two rounds in the second round against EP Montwood and then in the regional quarters against Odessa Permian they did go to game three in both those series but uh, the period South Lake is built for that fight as they proceeded to uh, to take it to EP Montwood 10-0 in Game 3 of that series, and then they thrashed Permian 11-1 in Game 3. So whether that speaks to just the depth within that uh, within that rotation or whatnot, but that is a team that if this series does end up going three games, obviously some very, very uh, they're very comfortable in those circumstances. But that should be a, uh, a really good one. Marcus, their last time that they were in this, uh, I mean, they were just in the uh, in the fourth round back in, uh, back in 2019 and lost to that same South Lake team that went on to win state, so no shortage of history between these two programs. Let's see. Then you look over in Region Two, and we had to uh, we had to say uh, say goodbye to uh, the last of uh, the last fighting soldier from Garland ISD <laughs> as uh, as Saxy went um went out of the hands of what was it Heath the Heath Hawks yeah, did yes. it to him Rockwell. yeah yeah both Rockwell and Rockwell Heath are moving on to the uh, surprise surprise yeah so two, two two very good programs so this was a very good series yeah um you know Saxy you know Rockwell Heath has been uh. State ranked for much much of the year, uh, you know. Saxy, as we alluded to in past podcasts, you know, was un- under five hundred for a big bulk of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, caught fire at the end, and then obviously, uh, you know, advanced to the regional quarterfinals for the first time in program history. And they continued that trend. They jumped on Heath on the first game. Uh, uh, Carson Sowell and Jason Scranton combined a no hitter um, on Thursday night, and they take the opener. And uh, you think, I, mean, I, I kind of like their chances with who they had, you know, rolling out. But then I look back at it, it from covering Heath from afar during the district season, uh, th- their pitching depth is is very good. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Baylor Bowman comes out on, on Friday and, and pitches. He has a no-hitter through five. Uh, they win that game 5 nothing. And, again, that was close to the later innings. And then on, on they return to, on, on Saturday morning and uh, – uh, yeah, they, they, Jason Scranton, who'd won Game Three against Belts the week before for Saxe, uh did a good job limiting the damage. Uh, it was a close game early on, and then in the in the fourth inning, there Carson Krauka uh, for Rockwell Heath uh, hits a grand slam, and you know in a Game Three, anytime a grand slam was going to be big, anytime oh, but yeah. in a Game Three, and it just completely shifted it uh, the, the momentum, and it was kind of that that was the blow. But um, you know, tremendous season for Saxe. Uh, you know they've got they're they're a relatively young team. They're, I mean they lose a handful of guys, but they're going to be back. And and I think this is what they've been kind of building toward. Again, um, they've been a perennial playoff team, 
but never made it to the third round. Uh, that second round, it, it's we'll see how it, it varies from year to year. But you know, a lot of times in the second round in Region Two, you run into that Colleen Temple. Belton district mm-hmm. and you don't really have any knowledge of them. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's similar to running the West Texas teams, you know, yeah. and, and you know, uh, that we were just talking about. Um, so it's really kind of hard to gauge, uh, but they're, they're always generally solid programs uh, coming out of that central Texas region. Um, so if they get, get to the third round, it was a big accomplishment. Uh, but again, those rock, those Rockwell teams are tough. There's a reason they're both in the uh, regional semifinals. So one step closer to getting uh, Rockwall versus Heath in the regional finals. We'll see if that's uh, that's what materializes out in region. Yeah, and, and they had the play-in game for the dis- for the that's number one right. seed that went that 14, insane, 13, yeah. Yes, fourteen thirteen, I believe, was uh, the final on that. So yeah, maybe the best baseball game all regular season <laughs> in the area. Goodness. So let's see. Speaking of Region Two, we can stay in Region Two, albeit at the five A classification, because we had a couple of uh, fascinating regional quarterfinal series, including one that actually did go the distance. Three games were required to decide a winner between the Colony and Frisco Wakeland. Ultimately, it was the Wolverines over at Wakeland that advance. Um, so yeah, it seems like a fairly competitive series. Otherwise, so just what was um either of y'all? Just what was kind of the read from one side to the other on how to, what was the difference in this series? I'd say the. The, just the pitching depth of Wakeland. Really? Yeah. Um, obviously, the Colony, they take game one behind Ryan Scott, who struck out 13 batters. And uh, they won that game 2 nothing. They get a sacrifice RBI by uh, Kate Irwin in the third inning. And then the next inning, they get a solo home run by Nola Oliveira to, you know, pretty much, you know, put the difference in that game. But after that, you know, the, you know, Wake, Wakeland's just pitching depth was unbelievable. Um, they held a, they held the Colony to just one run over the last two games. Really? Yeah, and um, the Colony actually took a, a lead in the in this that one run gave them a one to nothing lead there in, in the in the third game right there. But like I said, you know, like uh, you know, Wakeland's pitching depth was just amazing in this series. Um, in the game two right there, you know, it was a great pitching battle between Robert Fortenberry, who's going to TCU, and Devin Reyna for the Colony. And Fortenberry got got a little bit better of Reyna in that series, even though, like I said, both pitchers threw a great game. Fortenberry, nine strikeouts, allowed just three hits right there. And uh, Reyna, he pitched just as great. You know, he had nine strikeouts by himself as well, too, pitched a complete game. And and the only, the only run that came on the game of the that came in the game was a RBI double by Preston Snead in the fourth inning right there. So that forced game three right there. And like I said, the Colony took a one nothing lead on Ryan Scott's uh, RBI sacrifice fly in the in the first inning. But um, Wakeland, you know, they they took it took advantage of some mistakes that the Colony made. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Colony, you know, the the Colony pitching staff they allowed just two hits in this game, but they still lost. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, and the difference in this game is the the pitching staff uh, gave up seven walks and their defense, you know, committed four errors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there you go. And um, obviously, another pitching gem that they have is uh, Blake Sedatol, who I believe is going to Auburn. You know, complete game allows just one run, four strikeouts. So, Wickland goes on, and like you said, they're going to be playing in Duncanville this week against Corsicana. Um, you know, just continues the tradition that they have for Wakeland and. You know, tough ending, you know, for the Colony, you know, for the Saver advance in the postseason. You know, they uh, went, went to the regional quarterfinals for the first time in program history, um, won their first district title in school history, and 25 wins that they had this season was the most in program history. So, obviously not the ending that they wanted, but just, just an amazing run that, the, this, that this program went on this season. 
Then on the other half of that Region 2 5A bracket, you've got Lovejoy, who is still swinging. Uh, Lovejoy, which um, is in the regional semifinals for just the second time in program history, and we had a little bit of a 10-5A on 10-5A warfare in the third round as, as Lovejoy swept Prosper Rock Hill. Rock Hill, the first-year program in the third round. Um, Lovejoy got the better of, the, better of them by scores of 6-0 to zero and 5-4. to four. Um, Game one, big story was just the, uh, the tag team of Brant Corley and Dylan Collins teaming up for that shutout. And then in game two, Lovejoy actually grabs the lead in the bottom of the fifth inning with three runs, um, an RBI single by Ralph Rucker, and then a two-run double by Matthew Maynard. So the backfield for Lovejoy's football team coming through on the, uh, on the baseball diamond now. Despite that, this was a series where uh, Rock Hill certainly made him work, especially there in that game, too. Lovejoy needed to throw 143 pitches to get through this one. And despite giving up just five hits in that game, they used four different pitchers. It was um, eventually the Brett Landman reliever who was credited with the win, Dylan Collins coming in and getting the save. And now um, up next for Lovejoy, they draw Hallsville, who is ranked number 11 in the state, by TX High School Baseball. They're also number four in the state by, T, by the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association. They're good. That's the long and short of it. Um, allowing just one run per game in the playoffs. They've um, they've got two shutouts from their game one pitcher this postseason, Jeb Drury. So we will see uh, what is in store when these uh, when these two lock horns. I believe game one is um, is going to be all the way out in White House and then game two in, um, in Rockwall. So um, yeah, love joy. Bound for the regional semifinals. And uh, it's actually a pretty, uh, a pretty festive time just for Lovejoy in general because the softball team is also still playing as we now shift gears and talk a little bit of softball. Lovejoy's softball team is in the regional finals and um, guess what? They are also playing Hallsville. So uh, some nice little uh, Lovejoy versus Hallsville games uh, scheduled for this week. So Lovejoy softball was able to punch its ticket to the fifth round by sweeping Sulphur Springs scores of 7-0 and 3-2. They actually walked off an opponent for the second straight series. Uh, Jade Owens, just a sophomore, she was the the hero in game two. She had an RBI single in the bottom of the eighth to score uh, Hannah Harvey, so extra innings required for this one. Owens had her fingerprints all over this series. She pitched all 15 innings. Uh, She struck out 15 total batters across the two games. Again, just a sophomore alongside you know players like Hannah Harvey, who had a home run in, uh, in Game 1. Uh, Sydney Bardwell and Bailey Bradshaw were swinging the bat pretty well as well. And um, they've now, um, you know, this is a team that needed to go three games just to get out of the first round. Wakeland was able to push them a little bit um, and sent them to a third game, but they've now won seven consecutive games since then. And, um, and now they get a chance to, to go up against a Hallsville team that's in a good way. Um, Hallsville swept Rock Hill, Rock Hill softball team in its third round. It's Fourth round matchup, I should say, scores a 5 0, 10 4, and um, you know, on Rock Hills, and just a really tough time generating steady offense against the Hallsville pitcher, Maddie Melton, who only allowed four runs all series, but none of them were earned. Um, just seven hits in total. Uh, Hallsville, by contrast, had five extra base hits. So, um, two very, very different methods of uh, to approach right there. And now, Lovejoy, they're in the uh, in the regional finals for the fourth time, the first since 2015. And um, I was actually at this game now that I think of it because I was thinking that sounds familiar. Back in 2015, I believe it was out at Highland Park. Um, the year that they uh, that they got eliminated that year was by uh, nobody other than Hallsville. So a uh, nice little chance to come full circle. Of course, this current roster, I believe they were all probably in like what fifth or sixth grade back then. So not sure that's uh, any extra motivation or anything. Not sure they've uh, looking to uh, to avenge that teams uh, the 2015 teams. 
um, loss and whatnot. But yes, Lovejoy and Hallsville, both baseball and softball uh, later on this week. And then we can close out now with a look at uh, a, uh, a pretty a pretty fun little regional final over in uh, for Region One over in Six A, and that is uh, one that I think um, you know folks have kind of had their eye on this as a potential regional finals matchup for some time, and that is the long-awaited clash between Flower Mound and Prosper. Um, both these teams have been head and shoulders the best up to this point. It's, it's no surprise to see both these teams get this far. They both look like gangbusters in their regional semifinal wins. Flower Mound was lured into the one game the first time all postseason. They've had a one-game series against uh, South Lake Carroll, a spirited little plucky underdog at South Lake Carroll. Um, Flower Mound, though, just took it to them. A Landry Harris no-hitter, 12-0 run rule win. They uh, handily walked to the uh, to the fifth round. And then Prosper against what head coach Todd Raidwander said was one of the, the better hitting teams that they've come up against this season in, um, in Saginaw Boswell. And they allow one run, 6-1 uh, to one and 3-0 to zero the scores as they were able to sweep that series in two games. Prosper unbeaten in the playoffs. They've won 14, a row, 14 in a row. Uh, Flower Mound has shown some attrition to get to this point. They've had to win a couple game threes, ironically enough, against the other two teams from District 5-6-8 that they've gone up against. Uh, the first round against McKinney Boyd and then in the regional quarterfinals against Allen. These two teams did see each other back um, in tournament play and um, in the tournament in Allen. Uh, Prosper won the game 9-3. to and I believe that was actually Flower Mound's only loss in the regular season. But again, it's a preseason game. You don't read too much into them. Both teams look completely different now. Landry Harris didn't pitch that game. The lineups are night and day from what they were back in uh, back in February when they first played. I'm just interested in the series because it's just it's a contrast in styles when you look at Prosser with that power game of, of Sidney Lewis and Elizabeth Moffitt, um, Gabby Coffey, um, and just versus a Flower Mound team that uh, that just they they take it to you which just this death by a thousand cuts approach of just the bunting and the base running and McKenna Andrews with Flower Mound. She's been rolling at the plate. She went uh, in that game against South Lake. She went three for three. It was a home run shy of the cycle. She had five RBIs in that win. Um, and also, and I don't know if this is any coincidence or not, but these are the two teams that have made their way through the postseason by using two pitchers instead of relying on the one arm to just carry you for an entire series. Um, you know, with Flower Mound, with Landry Harris and Abigail Jennings, we talked about, you know, through Throughout this throughout the postseason, that they will um, just the, the way that they will mix and match those two, and just you know it won't be a case where just one starts the entirety of one game and one gets the entirety of the next game. They'll go inning to inning with these two pitchers if they have to, and it's been a, a very successful strategy. Um, I believe they are undefeated as far as you know games in which they use the win, which they're alternating between those two pitchers, and it's done a really good job keeping some really talented offenses off balance. Um, whereas Prosper is a little bit more traditional with their approach with Abby Beasley and Alyssa Griffin. They'll start, like in the case of uh, their series against Boswell, they look to Beasley to throw game one, and then Griffin got game two, and it's been, yeah, there's just really not no drop-off from one to the other. So they're two teams that have been able to... Uh you know, as far as not letting any of their arms get tired. And that's one of those things with, um, you know, talking with the Flower Mound coach, uh, Mark Lariba, their co-head coach, after their um, after their games against Boyd and after the games against Allen, you know, they like, I mean, they relish getting a three-game series. They want to take you that deep so they can try to test your depth against theirs, banking on the fact that, you know, a lot of these teams rely on that one arm, like that Kinsey Cackley or Alexis Telford, and that eventually by the time you get to game three, there will already be enough wear and tear on you that they'll be able to then pull ahead and, um, you know, that'll be 
be the difference. And Prosser's one of those teams just because of, again, the fact that they use two pitchers with a lot of success as well that might not be able to, uh, that might not crater to that uh, to that depth. It should make for an interesting and tangible as these two teams lock horns. Um, Prosper has been to state only one other time, 2003. Flyermont, meanwhile, this is their deepest playoff run ever. Um, surprising. I was kind of surprised to see that. But, um, yeah, this is the first time that they've been in the regional finals. And uh means we'll have one team from our coverage area, at least, competing at, uh, at State the following week down in Austin. Um, so this series, just a, a scheduling note because um, it's a little bit different in that respect. So uh, do not marry yourself to any one location for this because if this game does go three – if the series does go three games, it will take place at three different venues. As you've got game one set for Wednesday, 730 at Marcus, so close to Flower Mound. Game two. Is Thursday, 7.30 at Rock Hill, close to Prosper. And then if necessary, Game 3 will be Friday, 7.30 over at Denton Geyer, which that'd be awesome. I don't know if you guys have been to Denton Geyer's softball facility. I've seen uh, it, but I've never been inside of it. It's quite nice. <laughs> it's very nice. It is, it is the best I've seen this uh, this season. Um, so, yes, Prosper versus uh, versus Flower Mound, the People's Regional Final, as I'm calling it, as they, uh, as we will see one of those two gets out of Region, uh, region 1 and heads to State. And let's see, and that'll, uh, that'll do it, folks. That is a look at all the teams that we still have kicking around in the postseason, baseball and softball. And we'll see what happens later on this week. Be back again next week to uh, talk about it all once again, break it all down, and see where we are at in the postseason. Until then, folks, you take care, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.